What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, the first of our 2021 baseball podcast. That is right. It is myself and Brady Fredrickson previewing the American League Central Division. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. We go through all five teams. We do the fantasy draft. We make predictions. It was a blast. I want to know what you guys think. I want to know what you disagree with. Who you might have taken instead of our picks in the fantasy draft. Who you think has the better team. But as always, make sure that you follow the podcast. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Follow us on Instagram, Thunderblog Sports is the handle there. I've been doing a lot of Flyers rants recently. They lost tonight. So by the time this is up, you probably will have a new Flyers rant there. So if you want to hear that, go check us out on Instagram and be a part of our Facebook group to be a part of the conversation. But enjoy this preview. Let us know what you think. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, namesake here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, our first baseball podcast of 2021. Joining me today to help preview the American League Central is a good buddy of mine. We've been playing fantasy baseball, I think, for this is our fifth season playing together. It is Brady Fredrickson. Brady, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for letting me on. I'm, I'm excited. I've been I've been waiting for this opportunity for like a year. I know. So for those that don't know, Brady has his own podcast. And way back, what feels like it was five years ago, but it was really the, the start of the 2019 playoffs. You had me on. And then I think we had mm-hmm. something circle to have you on. And then COVID happened. So right. we're finally circling back to do this. So I'm glad that we are able to do this. I'm glad that this is, we're getting the baseball's, back and that we're getting a full season we're getting all this sort of stuff so i'm really excited to talk some baseball Brady. Yeah. how about you i am too yeah i mean it's one of those things where you know i think football ends and baseball starts and you kind of have that period of time where pitchers and catchers report and it kind of catches you off guard at first and then you know lo and behold a month later we're, we're like fully chopping at the bit for it so yeah it's exciting yeah and it was definitely something too of like we didn't get March Madness a year ago. It abruptly ended today is when Rudy Bo- Gobert was thrown up on the court. We're recording this on Thursday, March 11th. And then the next day, the NHL's out. They cancel March Madness. So we're, you know, it's literally coming full circle today. Um, so like even just having, you know, the regular hockey season, the regular basketball season, college basketball, I feel like really coming back with a vengeance with how good of a season it's been. It definitely, you you hit the nail on the head saying baseball kind of snuck up on us because Pitchers and catchers kind of, you know, they went down about a month ago, and now here we are. You know, we're playing full spring training games and all that. So it's, uh, I don't know, I'm just really excited. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's just fun to like. I, I was watching TV the other day, and I kind of just saw a game on TV. And I was like, Yo, this is a real, this is a real baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> Crazily enough, here at Philly, the the NBC Sports Philly, they they have two channels. They have the regular one and NBC Sports Philly Plus. And they keep putting the Phillies preseason games on NBC Sports Philly Plus and regular, like, or not even regular, just paid programming on at 1 p.m. on, on a weekday. I don't know why they don't just put it on the regular one because they have some syndicated 
local radio show that comes on it too. Switch the two channels. I don't know what they're doing there. Right, right, right. But you know, it's it's all good. We'll we'll eventually get to the regular season. It's warm right now here in Philly, and then uh, we get we get the classic Pennsylvania fake spring into the second winter, as we like to call it. So. <laughs> Let's dive into things. We're going to yeah. go, for those, if this is your first bullpen cart season, welcome. We go through each of the six divisions. I have a, a plan that hopefully does come through of doing some special individualized single team previews. But as a division preview, we're going to go through all five American League Central teams. We're going to go in alphabetical order. So we're starting with the White Sox, and then we'll rank them. And then what we call the Mike Clark fantasy draft, a buddy of mine, Brady Mike, who came up with this idea last year. And I think the last podcast we did before the pandemic hit, but, but we'll go through that when we get there, but let's start with the Chicago white Sox, who one of the flashier teams in the, the off season. Would you, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a team close to my heart. That's my guys. So yeah. I'm, I'm very biased. I'm very biased in that regard, but they, <laughs> they do. I mean, it's been it's been a long time coming, and they definitely um, you know made a splash. They brought in some big names, and and they've got that kind of mix of uh, of all their young guys. They've got their established guys like Jose Abreu, and then they've got you know they made the I mean hell they threw a bajillion dollars at Liam Hendricks. So, I mean they're they're in it to win it this year, and they were last year to an extent, but now they're they're all in. It feels like this year. Yeah, it feels like they've they've really rounded the corner and, and rounded out the team. You mentioned getting Hendricks. They went out and got Keuchel. The, the names in their lineup just continue. You know, last year was, was excellent. Two years ago was great, too. And and I remember Tim Eric, uh, Tim Eric, I, I don't know why I'm calling him Tim Erickson, Tim Anderson coming on. I think it was the MLB The Show, if you remember that, like the height of COVID of the, yeah. the MLB The Show tournament. I think he came on and was like, we're going to win. And they got close. The Twins end up pulling it out. But he ends up having a great year. Everybody does. And they're returning all these guys. And I feel like they're just itching and chomping at the bit to get this thing going. And I don't know. I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. I think guys like Luis Robert, I think he's going to have a breakout year. I think that, and this team is, is going to be fun. They're definitely, uh, I don't know, you know, we'll get to predictions, but they're definitely the team to beat in the division. Yeah. I think you just look at it from, you know, all angles. You've got, like you mentioned that Luis Robert, you've got Aloy Jimenez out in the outfield. You've got two guys who, you know, I think they're like 24, 25 years old. So obviously, you know, clear skies in front of them and you even move inside. I mean, Tim Anderson's a push in 30, but still, I mean, one of the best shortstops in the league, you know, Yon Moncada, who was, was really good two years ago. And I had super high hopes for last year, but uh, you know, he contracted COVID and that really slowed him down. He was, you know, he admitted as much that it was just tough to get up there every day and do that. So, you know, potentially he bounces back and then they've got, you know, the other guys like Nick Madrigal, I don't know what to expect out of him, but he's a very fun player and he's got a lot of, um, you know, pizzazz to his game for being a guy who might hit like 50 home runs his entire career. <laughs> but that's just, I mean, offensively, they just really stick out to you at every at every level. Yeah, absolutely. And a guy they brought back, Adam Eaton, gets added into this outfield too. Do you have high hopes for him? Do you just hope he stays healthy? What are you thinking there? I mean, he can't be any worse than I'm trying to think who uh, last year's last year's uh, guy was. He was terrible. Uh, Nomar Mazara was awful. So oh, he yeah. cannot be worse. Than There's literally <laughs> no way he can be worse than Nomar Mazzara. Um, and I mean, Adam Eaton, yeah, like you said, he was he was around before. And it's funny that they they're able to bring him back because, you know, one of the guys that they traded him for, Ronaldo Lopez, is currently in the rotation. So, you know, he's there. Um, 
And I think the 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 way they'll kind of play that is they also have Adam Engel, who's a guy who can't hit a lick, but he's a really good just defensive outfielder. So they kind of make a nice pairing. It's still not like a strength, but the only thing that scares me about the Sox is that they have you know this stud center fielder in Robert who can get to anything. Um, but you look at like right field, they've got Adam Eaton and Adam Engel, one defensive guy who can't hit, one offensive guy who's kind of getting up there in age. And then Aloy Jimenez, who just has to play somewhere. And yeah. so, I mean, if he he worries me defensively, both because he can't move very well and because I'm also afraid that he's going to hurt himself trying to do something out there. Sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a lot of moving parts for them. And that's probably going to be the big thing. It's just I can see them not being a very good defensive team and just being able to crush the ball. It's kind of Yankees-esque in that way. Yeah, that's definitely – going to play, I feel like, a big factor of how defense goes into this, how other rotations end up going. And it kind of, you, you, and again, we're going to get into the predictions, but that could be like the, the, the thing that keeps a Minnesota or, you know, any other team, but I feel like it's just Minnesota, that they kind of into this of if you, you know, or the, or to use the other New York team from however many years ago when they lost to an American League Central team in the World Series that had defensive woes, the Mets, you know, it, it does mm-hmm. add up over time. And that is certainly a really good point of, of that forgotten aspect of it because we just think of the long ball and strikeouts now with the three truths. But defense still matters a ton. And, and I don't know, it is, it is going to be fun to see how this team does. Um, but I have high hopes for you as a, as a White Sox fan. Yeah, I mean, I think in the end, I just look at it. And last year when they played the A's in the playoffs, and I mean, you mentioned that they had they had a division in the bag. And, you know, I think they had a six-game, seven-game lead with a month to go, and they just kind of collapsed. And uh, and that continued in the playoffs because they, I mean, Rick Rentry, their former manager, just really royally mucked it up against the A's in game three. And, and he tried to play the bullpen game and. He was throwing guys up there for two thirds of an inning and they got crushed because of it. But now I look at this team. I mean, they've got Lucas Giolito, who I think is, you know, really good. And I could see him being a top five star young guy. You know, Dallas Keuchel still super solid, but I mean, Lance Lynn, who's kind of a forgotten pitcher because he was so good with the Cardinals so long ago, but he's been really good in, in a bad situation for the Rangers the last two years. And he's just one of those guys you can trust to go out there and throw like 190 innings, which those guys, they do not grow on trees anymore. Certainly with not. With the way that bullpens are managed. So it'll be interesting. The only question mark I have, and we can talk about some predictions, is just I have no idea what the hell to expect from Tony La Russa, but that's a whole other angle. Yeah, I was going to bring that up of, of what your thought is with him coming out of really out of nowhere. And it sounds like it is just a huge question mark. <laughs> I I hate the whole situation. Like. Yeah. I mean, they were sitting there and they, they let Renteria go. Renteria is like a super nice guy, but there's a reason that he's, you know, managed two teams, ironically, both Chicago teams, yeah. to the point where they were ready to win, but not, you know, getting them to the chance where they got to win. So, you know, he's a nice guy. That's great. Whatever, whatever. But like with Tony La Russa, I mean, it's been 10 years since he's managed a game. And, you know, the baseball has changed so much in yeah. like five years, let alone 10 so it'll be interesting to see how he mess how he meshes with guys and how he approaches you know analytics and things. I mean, we could have had uh, you know AJ Hinch, who ironically now manages the Tigers. So like you know the, the alternatives were there. I just think uh, the the one thing that people have said is that uh, you know can Tony La Russa get along with big personalities like um, you know like Tim Anderson and stuff? And I kind of laughed at that because if you look back at the A's back in the you know 80s yeah. and 90s when he was there, I mean. That dude was able to juggle Jose Canseco and Ricky Henderson. Like, I think he's got the, like, 
handling very vocal people down, I think. But yeah. it's a lot of other things that I still question. Yeah, there was the that's definitely a really good point. And there was no funnier moment last year than when the White Sox fire Renteria or they let him go. And then it was like the next day he gets nominated as a finalist for manager of the yep. year. And they go, congratulations to former White Sox manager Rick Renteria. Yeah. It's, it's awkward for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun to see. And that's a really good point on the, the eighties and nineties uh, or eighties and early nineties A's with, with La Russa there, but let's move on. Let's go over to the Cleveland soon to not be Indians, but for one more year, they're the Cleveland Indians. Um, That feels like that it was the biggest story until they made quite a couple different moves, including one trade with the New York Mets. Brady, what are your initial thoughts seeing the Indians coming into this year? It's weird that they're choosing to rebuild this way. I I think it makes sense. I guess, but I just feel like when you've got a guy like Francisco Lindor, I don't understand why you would, why you would bail on that guy when he's at his peak powers, yeah. unless you're cheap. And that just seems like the, the root of the issue is just that they didn't want to pay a superstar player, which, I mean, I would love to have a superstar player like that, but it's yeah. their own, I guess. Yeah, they, they now replace him with Andreas. Is it Jimenez? Jimenez? It's a G instead of a J. So, so I'm a little, uh, ironically, as someone who a lot of people think my name starts with a J. Uh, not sure what how to pronounce his name, but this guy batted 263 at the Mets last year. Um, certainly not Lindor numbers. They have Cesar Hernandez, a player who I know very well from his time here with the Phillies, who played there last year and did decently well. But they lose Carlos Santana, who had a decent year. They're replacing him with Jake Bowers. And they still have Jose Ramirez, but I feel like we're you know a few years removed from the Jose Ramirez that, that we all knew, knew as a uh, potential MVP candidate. So they're, they're infield and talking about defense is there's a lot of question marks on it. I feel like. And I think the Indians for the most part have always kind of in recent years, been a very offensive minded team just sure. because they had really good hitters. And I mean, Jose Ramirez is still there. Awesome hitter, great third base and probably the, you know, one of the best in the league, but the thing with them is just you look at their strengths, their weaknesses. I mean, they may not be able to score as well as they did last year, but their yeah. pitching staff is is deeper than anybody else in that division still, which, you know, I don't know what the drop-off will be if, you know, Jimenez is good or if it ends up being Ahmed Rosario or whoever. But, you know, they've got four or five starters who are, you know, legitimate, you know, guys. It's not just those fill in your fourth and fifth spot with a guy who can give you six innings. They're like legit guys. No, they're you're right. They are solid, and it's it's kind of funny that they ended up trading Clevenger right after him and Zach Plezak get uh, popped for the going out in Chicago. He's still there, and he's still a solid pitcher. Bieber obviously won the Cy Young and is awesome. But even Logan Allen, Savale, McKenzie, you're right. They're gonna they're gonna hold this team pretty well. Their bullpen is still pretty solid too, despite not uh, re-upping Brad Hand, which I thought was kind of also a, a weird cheap move to you to use your phrasing so there's going to be a lot of question marks coming into this but this could be could either be a really fun cleveland indians team or it could be a uh the opposite of what we've seen low scoring but they're they're also not allowing a ton of runs right i think uh you know the hand thing yeah that's i think fred hand ended up landing in, in washington which yeah. is probably a good fit but you know i think they have a guy in james karinchek who was a really good rookie reliever last year and and he just is – he throws so hard, and he, he walks a lot of guys. But he was able to strike out – like seven, he had like a 17.7 strikeouts per nine last year. So he's just an overpowering guy who, 
you know, people probably don't know about today, but, um, you know, come next year, come the end of this year, you know, I think he's going to be somebody who maybe not like household name, like Josh Hader level, but one of those next young closers who really can kind of impress with how hard he throws because, you know, the other thing is (laughs) most of these teams, I mean, the White Sox and the, uh, the Indian society, you know, closes are kind of a question mark for a lot of these teams, but, uh, you know, I think for Karinczak, I think he can be the, he can be better than Liam Hendricks um, this year. I think that's how good he is. Wow. And, okay. Yeah. It, it, he's just very talented. And if you just, I mean, you look at the rest of their team, I think they have, they have good hitters. They have, you know, I forgot what Fenmo Reyes, who's not going to play the field, but just like one of my favorite, just beefy, like home run guys. But, <laughs> you know, in the end, I mean, I think it's still going to be those pitchers. And like, I think the other guy, Tristan McKenzie, pitched a little bit last year but i think prior to that was you know battling a lot of injuries the dude's built like a nba small forward who needs to gain 20 pounds to be able to play but <laughs> he throws it very well and i mean he had a really good rookie season just as a debut so they're exciting i mean as much as i hate to say the indians are exciting like they do have a lot of fun guys on that team um and obviously terry francona is a really good manager so. yeah so yeah he obviously is back after the uh, health scares that he had and, and Tandy Alomar Jr. stepped in. So happy to see him back. Um, yeah, you mentioned it. Ramirez has been one of my favorite guys, obviously. As you know, I've had him, on I think, on my team in multiple yeah. years. Uh, so definitely uh, paid some dividends for me there. But the uh, – yeah, they're going to be fun. They're going to be – it. I was thinking about this division, like thinking like, oh, it's all White Sox, Twins. You know, the uh, Going into it thinking like, oh, the Indians trading – you know, trading away Lindor, what's going to happen with this? And thinking like, oh, it's going to drop off from here. And and it's it's at least nice that that's not totally the case. And we're we'll definitely dive into it with the next two teams before we get to the Twins. But at least with Cleveland, they're still hanging in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were good last year, and Francisco Lindor wasn't even that good. You know, he had a bad season compared to you know by his standards. So yeah, sure. Um, you know, that's the crazy part. But yeah, I, I still think that. Either you're right. The Twins and the White Sox are definitely the class of this, and the Indians are, are right behind that. But the drop-off from here on out is, is quite significant between those three teams and the next two that are below that. Yeah, so let's jump into the Tigers, a team that is still in the bottom. They're I feel like yep. they're, they're starting to – the nose is starting to go upright, it seems, but it's still a long way to go, I feel like. Yeah, I mean – you know, I, I, I'm from Michigan, so I'm very familiar with the Tigers in general and their history. But like when I was a reporter in Florida, I covered the Tigers every year in spring training. And so very familiar with their kind of team and their front office. And uh, Al Avila is still their, their general manager. And, and they've kind of allowed him to try and rebuild this thing from, from really what, what was the class of the AL for a while. They just yeah. were never able to get over the hump. And in a lot of ways, they kind of painted themselves in the corner because, you know, they traded all these guys. Justin Verlander didn't net them very much, and J.D. Martinez didn't get them anything. And so they're getting, they had all these good stud players, and they just had to kind of sell light on them. And then, you know, the guy they're left with, Miguel Cabrera, who, you know, future Hall of Fame, former MVP, like, awesome player, is just, you know, he's he's not as bad as Albert Pujols is now, but he's not <laughs> far off. Yeah, they're uh, not that it matters towards the actual Major League Baseball, but in MLB The Show, he has like a, a speed of two, I think. <laughs> you see his batting numbers, and like they're still decent in it, but at least in uh, in 19, the show, it was like speed two, and it, it 
he could have you try to throw him out from right field i feel like um again not that it matters for this but they also you know they have wilson ramos they have jonathan trope um they have jacoby jones they've guys like they have names there so i feel yeah. like there's if you're a tigers fan there's some there's some reason to turn turn on the tv but i don't know it's it's going to be a tough year i feel like with what the White Sox have going for him, if Cleveland's offense is, is pumping. I mean, even Kansas City, we're going to talk about them in a minute, but, like, I feel like if we're, we're looking at these two different teams, you know, it, it'll it be tough. They have a lot of young pitching, which is good, but it's also you need to get them a little more seasoned, I feel like, before uh, anything serious can happen. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, their lineup. I mean, they do have a couple guys who are kind of interesting and, and sparkling that way. I know Jamer Candelario was a third baseman they got – He's had good moments. He's having a good spring, but he's kind of just been a guy who they've been able to play at third. Um, there's one player I really like is a shortstop named Willie Castro, who was like a not ranked guy, just kind of, you know, one of those dudes who steadily climbs the ladder from rookie ball to low A to high A to double A, kind of like that. And he's having a great spring. He's got three homers and nine RBI, but he was good last year too. And I think that he'll probably be their, you know, best young player that actually starts the season with them. You know, I think their future is with guys like Spencer Torkelson, who they took first overall a couple of years ago. Sure. Um, like the, Jacoby Jones. They have another guy, Riley Green, who's still pretty ripe – or uh, not ripe yet, but he's getting there. They have those guys, and that's going to have to build up over time. But, yeah, you're right. The pitching, I mean, they have – every starter I think they have is either under 30 or under 25 for that matter. So, you know, I think they've got interesting pieces, but none of them have really ever – I think Spencer Turnbull is really the only guy on that team outside of the one year Matt Boyd was good, who's yeah. ever actually consistently, you know, shown more than their name, you know, actually kind of expects them to. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to see what happens there. And oh my God, you're right that that Boyd is thirty, Turnbull's twenty eight, but everybody else twenty three, twenty three, twenty two. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll in a couple of years we'll be looking back and and think like, oh yeah, like this for that first year was you know, 99 Peyton Manning or whatever, you know, those kind of things, or at least hopefully we do with the Tigers. Cause you're right. They were good for so long. And then because of just circumstance, I guess, of just f- trying to figure out and shit and get the feel of different markets of whether it's the, the, the waiver deal that happened with, uh, with Verlander or the off season deal with, with JD Martinez. It just, you know, it just didn't, didn't shake out for him, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, they have a couple of guys. I find, when I just think of the, because I mean, when I was down there, I mean, they had their single, their high A affiliate at that point. The the Lakeland Tigers was the team down there. So yeah. we got to see a lot of the good arms come through that area because they want to keep them down there in Florida after spring training. And so, you know, I know Matt Manning is a guy who's going to get a chance this year. He's a really good player. Um, Therese Gubal is also a guy who hasn't really put it together at the majors yet, but he's a really hard-throwing lefty. And then I think the the biggest name of the bunch is Casey Mize, yeah. um, who, who didn't have a great showing when he was up last year. But I think he's the guy who could end up being like Max Scherzer-esque for them just because he throws so damn hard and he's just a big guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's definitely one to uh, – well, they're all ones to keep an eye out on. But we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it could be something where – you're wondering, like, these are supposed to be the guys, but it's really because the White Sox can hammer the baseball top and up and down the lineup. The the Twins, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, Cleveland potentially, and we can just go right into the Royals. You know, if they some of their gambles, we can put it that way, work out like a yeah. Santana who's coming off a really bad year. And really, two years ago he did well coming back to Cleveland, but two of his last three seasons, his year in Philadelphia, he walked a ton, but 
that was really about it. It was either he doubled the right center field or walked. And that's in, it was very similar last year, but they still have Whit Merrifield. They still have Salvador Perez, who had won the AL Comeback Player of the Year. And, you know, if that continues, which we can certainly discuss, that might be dangerous. Jorge Soler, who's been up and down. And they signed Andrew Benatendi. So we'll yeah. have to see what happens with this team. If it if it works out, good for them. I mean, they I think they're pretty confident where they are. I know, I think everybody else outside of Kansas City is not as confident. They're feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really weird thing because, the, again, like the Tigers, kind of their run ended. The Twins have been around, but the Twins just absolutely can't win in the playoffs. No. And then the Royals, no. I mean, the Royals, the Royals, like, window was was cracked, but they ended up kind of getting in there and doing their thing with it. So, like, you know, it's just funny how far they've fallen and how quickly, but you're right. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I don't think Ben Benintendi can be any worse than he was in Boston. Exactly, I don't yeah. Think, I don't think Soler will ever be as good as he was two years ago when he hit, like, 48 homers. Yeah. But they've got, I mean, their, their team is just riddled with dudes who are, like, like Hunter Dozier's super solid. I don't think he's ever going to be anything special, but like you put him on a really good team. I bet you people know who he is, but exactly, yeah. the, the person I can't quit here and, and like Sal Perez has been around for a million years. I can't believe he had as good a year as he did last year. But my thing is I just can't stop like Adalberto Mondesi. Like he either is the worst player in the game <laughs> or he is the most disruptive baseball player, period. Like there's no, middle ground for that guy which is impressive because you know he's got all the skills in the world but like seriously the only dude in the league who can steal 70 bases if he wanted to right now i think yeah he's a uh, absolute electric to watch uh that one two is uh i mean it's just fun and fun seeing him and merrifield go go off and i don't know this team their pitching isn't terrible you know it's not blow by it's not cleveland indians it's not white Sox levels but uh you know i mean danny duffy was once a name brad keller solid um they have mike minor still kicking around i don't know it could uh they could figure something out ian kennedy's still hanging in there so they have names <laughs> yeah they do they brought back i think they brought back uh mike minor in this year and he's yeah. he's had moments in the past but like you know when i think of their staff the only guy i can think of who like really sticks out to me as Brady Singer just because he's yeah. a great name first, but because he's also <laughs> a young guy who uh who was pretty good at times last year. Um and I think the hard part for me is when we look at all these teams and all the guys individual stats, like I have no idea what's smoke and what's mirrors and what's real because I almost my approach, you know, spoiler for fantasy baseball at least, my approach is to throw everything that happened last year out the window. Oh yeah. Because that, that has I to be. tell you what was real and what's not like, you can't believe that 60 hot games is going to be like telling you that this hitter is now a star. Like, I just can't buy that. No, I totally agree. That's, um, that's part of why, like when I was talking about Perez, it was like, he had a really good year, but it, it was only 60 games. He's coming back from an yeah. injury and all that sort of stuff. So if that, if that remains for 162 game season, awesome. But you know, the, the question remains, does that remain? And, and I feel like that's, it's almost a microcosm of the team of like a lot of guys who they're kind of taking rolling the dice on that had bad years or are coming off of these smoking hot seasons that yeah. you're right. I, my philosophy is the same way of 2020 was kind of this year where, you know, some teams had COVID, some teams had games delayed, some teams, some guys just had shitty years. You know, we just talked about yeah. it with Lindor. So it's, this team is like it's a huge question mark, and and it's certainly I'm not talking myself into thinking there there's a four team race in the AL Central, but 
who the hell knows? It's just a large question mark that go that is uh, above the giant fountains in Kauffman Stadium. Yeah. But so we move on to the last team, the Minnesota Twins. They are the two-time reigning AL Central champions, but you just mentioned it. They have not won a game in the playoffs since 2004. And, and, always, and they always lose to the Yankees. That's the most yeah. beautiful part. Is it's, it's clockwork. They make the playoffs, they play the Yankees, they lose. <laughs> it is very true. It is, <laughs> they, it's, it is a, to use hockey, it is the Toronto Maple Leafs always playing the Bruins, which could happen this year <laughs> in the Stanley Cup final. This, it, Thankfully for the Twins, or maybe not thankfully for the Twins, they can't somehow circumvent the Yankees to the World Series. They could to the ALCS, I guess, depending on how things shake out. But... I don't know. This team, we'll have to see what happens. There's guys. It's another. This is another one of like guys who have been very solid for a while. Other guys who we're hoping can continue to bust out, or you know, I don't know. This is a team that I feel like we like we keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. I feel like with this team, and it hasn't because there's te- there are players who have gone off. There are players who start off slow and then and then explode. I don't know. It's just it's just a team that I feel like shouldn't make sense, but it does. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep wanting to bury Nelson Cruz, and I don't think he's going to bury himself before anybody. Uh, yeah, exactly. For him. I think Josh Donaldson's probably cooked. He was he was not good last year, and no. I think his, his body's been wearing down. But, you know, they, they do have some good young guys, I think. Like, I really like Byron Buxton. I think everyone's been talking about him for – you know, a decade, it feels like. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's at least five years that he's like supposed to be the next guy. And I think he's got a chance if he stays healthy, which is a big if for that guy. But <laughs> uh, he's big. I mean, Miguel Sano is going to hit a bunch of home runs and hit 200. But they have good young players, too. Like, they've got this outfit that Alex Kirilov, I probably said his name wrong. He uh, he made his debut last year, you know, during the playoff game for them. So, like, they brought him up to start in left field during that game, which, is, you know, says a lot about their confidence in him. Um, but otherwise it's just a team full of guys like Jorge Polanco is okay. And like yeah. itch Garber was good that one time, but like, they don't really have yeah, for like two weeks that scares you. Yeah. Outside of the older guys who, again, you know, maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. Yeah. And their rotation of just the same thing. It's older guys of that. They've had their moments. We're not sure. Jay Hap, you know, it's funny. Cause I mentioned the, the one-off one team, episodes and I was with some friends that are Yankee fans. I told you this offline, but for the listeners, we were going to maybe record it on Saturday. I'm glad we didn't because I was woefully ill-prepared and they were ready to go. <laughs> one, one guy they talked about was Hap and him leaving and, and like they're happy and sad that he left. And it's just a big question mark. And same thing with Pineda, uh, Barrios, Maeda, like these guys that like have had their moments and whether or not those moments still exist. I feel like it's just a big, it is just a big question mark. I keep using that. This must be the, the question mark episode, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. We're, we'll really have to see with this team. I feel confident in them. I don't think they're going to beat the White Sox for the division, but you know, this is a team that definitely, if things don't go well and the other shoe does drop, it could be, could almost be disastrous. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like their ace pitcher. I mean, I Kent Maeda was incredible last year, Yeah. but I, I don't, I don't, well, we have like six, seven years of him in Los Angeles saying that he's not a 2.2 ERA kind of guy. Yeah. And he so came like, out of the bullpen for like half of them. Yeah. And like, then the other side of it is they're, they're quote unquote, like the frontline guy is Jose Barrios. Who's, who's fine. Like he's a very fine pitcher, but like if Jose Barrios is your number one guy, like yeah, I feel like Barrios can, 
yeah, I'm a real contender. He's probably someone's number three. Who you're like totally happy that you've got him in game three of the ALCS, but not for like the stopper in game seven. So yeah, you're right. And then, I mean, their bullpen, they had a really good bullpen last year and Tyler Duffy was awesome, but they brought in Alex Colome from the White Sox to be their closer. And like people have been thinking that because Colome's metrics, like his FIP and those numbers have not aligned with his actual numbers. They've been better in the real life perspective. So yeah. that's another guy who, you know, you bring him in to be your closer for two years and like, it's possible like closers expire immediately. Like there's no, there's no graceful fall for a closer. It's either they continue to be one or they blow up. Yeah. That's what that was. Brad Lidge. Brad Lidge went, yeah. he went 48 for 48 in 2008 and then stunk the rest of his time as a Philly. And it was literally one off season. He just was awful in 2009. Um, which happened throughout the regular season and the, the Phillies never learned and it happened in the world series. But yeah, I, I don't know. This it's again, I, I don't think that it's, we've determined the, the tiers of this. I think they're still up there with the white Sox yeah. uh, to move into predictions. I, I think it's the white Sox winning this. I don't know by how many games I think the twins, I don't think they're a wild card team. I think just because of how of other divisions within baseball, but I think they're an above 500 squad. Um, then Kansas City third, or no, Cleveland third, excuse me. And then Kansas City fourth, Detroit fifth. I think that's pretty chalky, but the big question mark, I think, is is how close does Cleveland come to pushing themselves towards any sort of contention in the division? Yeah, that's the thing is, is I don't know if you care much about like the Pakota standings at baseball prospectus, where it's just the kind of computer projection of how the season's going to go. And they sim it all these times. And, you know, it was a big hubbub among like White Sox fans because Pocota came out with them going 82 and 79, which oh. is obviously, you know, not what they want. And they had Cleveland at 85 wins and Minnesota at 91. Now what? I don't. Know. How do they have them going 82 and 79? That's 161 games. It's just an. It's like 82.4 and 79. Oh, I see. What you mean. So, 82 so essentially 82 wins, 85 wins, 91 wins. So yeah, I disagree there. I think they're probably closer to 88, 89. I don't know that any of them – I've actually got a bet with a buddy right now that they're going to be better than the Yankees, which I might end up regretting, but who knows. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, I think, yeah, you're looking at two, like, high 80s, 90-win teams in, in Chicago and Minnesota, and then Cleveland's probably around 500. And if Kansas City and Detroit are even, like, within shouting distance of 80 wins, they're probably, like, feeling yeah, probably pumped, how they yeah. perform. Yeah, yeah I, um, I can pull up the over-unders, but I don't – I feel like the – the lines for those two teams can't be can't be very high, no. especially in Detroit. Maybe Kansas City you might you might catch some fire, but I don't know. I feel like Kansas City's probably like a low to mid seventies type of team. Detroit, uh, I hate shitting on Detroit. I always do it with the Lions and the uh, on the football one. And I love the city of Detroit. I love Michigan. I don't want to shit on them, but I just don't know. I, I just Dakota's got Kansas City at seventy one wins and Detroit at sixty five. Interesting. So... You're not far off. And I think those are probably yeah. pretty accurate numbers. Unless, like, the only way that Kansas City blows up is if somehow, like, Adalberto Mondesi is, like, MVP, MVP good all year long yeah. and one of the pitchers blows up. But, I, or if Detroit, I mean, if Detroit, if all those young guys played really well, I could, like, last year, I mean, again, weird season, but I think Detroit was, like, in the wild card hunt until, like, the middle of that shortened season. So, like, if young guys play well in a short time, you can kind of, you know, have some fool's gold. But over 162 games, it's just not tenable to expect a team of like either washed up old guys or unproven young guys to just keep it going consistently. 
No, I totally agree. Uh, there are certain teams in the National League that I feel like also fall under that same category, but those are for different podcasts. Now, we're through the predictions. Um, I would say any thoughts on MVPs or anything, but we have now the Mike Clark fantasy draft that we can have for this, and we can have discussions around these players a little bit, a little more. So how this works, for those that don't know, we are going to go snake draft style. We'll let Brady kick it off. We're going to start with catcher, go to first, second, third, shortstop, outfielders, starting pitcher, one pitcher, and one reliever. And we do it snake draft style, and we obviously can't repeat. And then I will put it in the Facebook group, so join the Bullpen Card Facebook group and let the people vote, and on Twitter, I guess. Um, but Brady, why don't you kick things off with catchers? Okay, I'm going to go – there's two options here, obviously. I think Perez we talked about, but I think I'm going to go with, with Yasmani Grandal, not because of yeah. the White Sox angle, but I just think that he's probably – you know, regarded as the best pitch framer in the game, but also just the fact that, you know, dudes played in big games. And, I mean, he's handling a pitching staff with the White Sox that has, you know, three really good guys, but then also has a bunch of young guys, and he's able to kind of balance that out pretty well. So I just like his overall impact and the fact that he's got some fire to him too. I like guys with some swagger, so that's where I'm going to go with that. No, I like that pick, and you're absolutely right. It's either him or Perez. Um, You know, maybe – Garver, if you're hoping for lightning in a bottle again, or yeah. a Wilson Ramos, because I liked Wilson Ramos when he was on the Phillies. But I'm going with Perez, a guy who, even if his even if his offensive numbers aren't there, defensively he is a, a guy that a couple years ago, you could tell Kansas City, I think they even said in interviews when he came back last year, like he made such a big difference being back. So just a good glue guy to have uh, sitting around on the team. <laughs> but uh, it's to me for first base, and I'm going to go with Jose Abreu. Uh, take him out of the White Sox. Again, just a guy who awesome numbers, hits the shit out of the ball. I just feel like it's a nice layup pick there. Yeah, no, it's hard to argue that. And, and the thing about this division right now is the drop-off at first base is pretty significant from him down. Yeah, I think from there you're looking at like someone in Minnesota, either you know Miguel Sano or Ugh. if you want to just take a, a, a phone poll, you just take Nelson Cruz. Um, or we can go old school and take Miguel Cabrera here. Uh, you know, I really like Carlos Santana, and obviously I know he's got a lot of familiar with this division. You're familiar with him from his time in Philly, but, like, he's just 36 years old now. Like, everybody else is so dang old. You have to take Miguel Sano, I think. Because, yeah, I think so. Because, which is funny, because Miguel Sano came up as a shortstop, and now he's just this giant, like, lumbering, you know, slugger. But, you know, if that dude ever stays healthy and, you know – hits the ball consistently like he could hit 50 home runs like he could have a season similar to what Jorge Soler had a couple years ago where he hit just out of nowhere it was like 48 home runs like I could see that from Miguel Sano if he was able to put together 150 160 games I don't think he'll do that but I think he gives you the option no I like that call it's uh probably the safer pick to try to get something like that and hope for a flyer somebody on this team has to pop off outside of Nelson Cruz I feel like that's a pretty good choice no, I agree. There's no, I mean, there's just no other option. I mean, you're looking at Kansas City, you're looking at, again, Carl Santana, Cleveland, you're looking at Jake Bowers. Yeah. Who, I got off the Jake Bowers train a long time ago. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I could have also taken Andrew Vaughn from the White Sox, who I like, but I got to see that guy play in the majors before I take him. But if, it, it's very possible that Andrew Vaughn and Jose Abreu, two first base on the same team, are like 
among the two or three best, you know, first base in the division, which would be pretty crazy. But that's that's how good they think that guy could be. Yeah. Um, I think he kind of he kind of reminds me of Billy Butler, which is Ooh. which is not which is complimentary. Um, but I guess in this era of home runs, it's not quite the same compliment. But Billy Butler was a damn good hitter for the Royals for a while. Yeah, he time. was. He was really good. Just uh, didn't hit a lot of home runs, so yeah. Not the. Uh... Not a part of the 2021 playbook, but you know you need runners on base. You can't just have all solo shots. Yeah, but we go to you for second base. Okay, second base. All right, I really like, I really like nobody. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I trying to think <laughs> the same thing while you're talking. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like I do like Cesar Hernandez in Cleveland. I think he's a really good real life player. Like, I think a lot of times. I fall into the trap of thinking guys as like fantasy players. And yeah. that's not always a fair way to, you know, figure somebody out. I mean, Cesar Hernandez gets on base a lot. He, you know, scores runs. He comes up in the clutch. Like that's the kind of stuff that you want to see um, from a guy. And I think just the tough part is just two of these teams are so deep in a rebuild that it would be hard to trust anybody on the Tigers or Royals at some of these positions. So yeah, I'm going to go with Cesar Hernandez. Uh, that's uh that's probably the answer. And I'm trying, I'm, trying to figure out who I'd want to take here. Um, There's two options, I think. There's only two options. Jorge Polanco, or if you want to take a throw at Madrigal, those are the only two guys. Yeah, I was thinking that that's kind of what I was – that's what I'm thinking. I, I guess I'll take Polanco because the, the Twins are going to be decently good. Madrigal, I just – I don't know. That's uh, It's a question mark. I almost just took him for the fact that he's on the White Sox, and the White Sox, I think, are better than the Twins. But I'm going to go with Polanco just because, I don't know, maybe it's the George factor. <laughs> <laughs> um so you took a hernandez i got polanco it's to me for third base i'm going with jose jose ramirez i feel like we talked about it before uh one of the better sluggers in the, in the division clearly the best guy on that indians team he if there are runners on base he will clean it up maybe he's cleaning up cesar hernandez i'm going with ramirez yeah that's the easy choice and if we were to do this from like the you know pick your guy yeah. like in the actual draft he would be your first overall pick too i think oh yeah it's so weird because he was, you know, awesome for so long. And then out of the blue, like two years ago, he had just a terrible season where like for 162 games between two seasons, he hit like 180 and was just useless. And I think I read somewhere that it ended up being that he was trying so hard to just beat the shift when it was like, dude, you're already an all-star against the shift. Like, yeah. why are you trying to beat it? Like, don't like. Don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Moncada here just because I love the potential. He's still only 27 years old, and I think that uh, you know the guy that we saw two years ago um, is a lot more possible this year than the guy we saw last year. I like that. That's a solid, a solid choice. I think he's a definitely a superstar of the future. Probably a Jose Ramirez type player, and I'm excited to see how he goes. He's a there's a lot of guys in the White Sox, and I'm excited to see how their careers go. Luis Robert, my uh, fun fact, my fiance's cousin who was marrying us, he worked in the White Sox organization. And when Robert first came to the U.S., he stopped in Kannapolis where Brian worked. And Brian got to meet him really quickly and said he was a super nice dude, despite the fact that they, they, they had to use the translator. So it was just translated of you know the politeness. But he said he was a very nice man. <laughs> I, have a funny, I have a funny I have a funny Luis question. So my friend... Uh, he's big like autograph hounds. So he's always at minor league games and stuff. So he's had a Charlotte Knights game and uh, he's on the third base line during batting practice, kind of just looking around, trying to figure out what outfielder was kind of in front of him. 
and someone was taking batting, batting practice, which is Robert, and uh, he's just kind of trying to grab someone's attention. Line drive just comes flying over and just cracks him right in the chin. Really? Like, yeah, broke the skin. Uh, yeah, he had to get all these stitches and stuff. Oh, my and, God. Uh, yep, and, uh, <laughs> and come to find out it was – so Luis hit the ball. After the game, they got to take, like, a quick little, like, moment to say, like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. And he was like – he was like kind of like out of it was like hey will you sign my ball please and the guy was like oh yeah of course it's the real bear sign at the ball after like breaking his chin open with the with a, a foul ball so um that's yeah, incredible kind of a funny, funny way of doing it right oh my god that is incredible <laughs> yeah that yeah. So, do you know just a quick i should have asked what we were talking about the white Sox. is there a reason why they have three different minor league teams in north carolina or is it just how you know how the cookie crumbled when minor league teams were being formed <laughs> You're right because it is Charlotte, Winston Salem, and Canapolis. Uh, oh, Canapolis is in. I didn't know. I never actually knew where Canapolis was. I didn't it's, realize it was in North Carolina. Yeah, it's on. It's on Lake Norman. It's just in just short uh, north of Charlotte. Oh yeah, so I actually don't know the answer to that because then their double A Birmingham is in Alabama. So like, yeah, I have no idea why they're they're located like that. It's a very. I'm surprised they didn't get shifted around when all these minor league teams traded affiliations and whatnot. But no, yeah, I, didn't I was too. That. Yeah, because it was what it was. What an average of like 45 percent closer every team is to their big league club. Right. It's somewhat yeah. But uh, I've always thought it was interesting, and then the fact that Canapolis is now the high A team, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. There's a uh, there's other cool stories that he had told me from uh, when he was there, like why they why they finally changed from the Intimidators and everything with uh, Dale Seniors new wife not dale jr's mom and all that sort of stuff it's all crazy things that like she'd like sue people as soon as they like try to touch it that's why they had like a crazy low crazy old logo for so long it's very north carolina yeah but uh so that little after that little interlude i believe it is you for shortstop okay yeah i this one's between two guys it's either mondesi or it's tim anderson i'm yeah. taking tim anderson you know Damn. the swagger the production the uh you know everything i mean the White Sox, when he was, you know, he got hurt. I think he hurt his hamstring or oblique last year and missed some time. And, and they were just a different team without him. And I mean, he's a atypical leadoff hitter, and then he doesn't draw walks, and he gets on by just getting hits yeah. and swinging at everything. But I think there's, you know, in this, like you said, in this era of like three true outcomes, there's something to a guy who can, you know, who just goes up there and walks be damned. I'm trying to get on base. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned it though. Mondesi is the only other choice here. Uh, there's some other. There are some other ones we may have, could have taken some flyers on. Like, see, is Nico Goudrum gonna maybe find something? Hey, my, guy Willie, my guy Willie Castro. My guy Willie Castro will be their best player this year. I guarantee that. That'd be fun. I mean, it'd be cool to see a young guy that takes over the job and kind of figures that out. Kind of like a, a 2017 Phillies with Hoskins coming up and, and different guys and give the Tigers fans something exciting for. Uh, the years ahead. That'd be fun. It's a bold prediction. Bold prediction for the worst team in the league. That, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to, I'm tr- again, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Trying to be nice to Detroit. So <laughs> I enjoy Detroit. I enjoy Michigan. Um, all right, so it's me for outfield. I try, yeah. So the rule we made was that it can be outfielders. You don't have to go left, center, right. I like to try to go left, center, right. Because, um, uh, so with that being said, I'm going to go Aloy Jimenez. And take him uh, and go with that. If you want to go with three different outfielders, you can go three center fielders if you want. Um, but I'm going to go with him just to stick with left, center, right. So if I'm leaving myself open to a player we were just talking about for you to pick, that is all good by me. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Lewis Robert just because I think he's so got such a high ceiling. I mean, he he actually wasn't all that good last year. And I talked about Tim Anderson being a guy who 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 is allergic to walks. You know, Robert swings at everything or Robert swings at everything. So I, I would take him, but but it, it pains me to take him over over another guy we've talked about because I, I think this year specifically um, – I don't know that he'll necessarily be the star that, you know, Aloy potentially is this year. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see. that Their outfield's going to be a lot of fun, but you do get another yeah. pick because we're still in the snake here. Oh, shoot, we're on the, we're on the field. I'm taking Byron Buxton, and I have the best defensive duo right there because we've got the most range you can possibly have with those two. Yeah. I think Buxton, like I said, I think uh, his game has changed a lot. He's having a terrible spring, but he uh, he's kind of, you know, changed from being this, speedy trying to get on base type dude when he was coming up and when he was the number one prospect in the game to now where he's just you know his average is struggling because of it but he's got power and he's big and he's fast and so you know the opposite three true outcomes thing but i mean if he can go up there and hit 30 home runs he's going to be super valuable because he's also a gold glove caliber out yeah he uh definitely an interesting career to follow as you mentioned just a number of different labels that have been thrown onto him and a guy that you you kind of hoped was going to finally pop off, and he has to a degree, and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, spring training numbers. I don't know. The Phillies are getting all excited that Mickey Moniak is finally doing something. So I've I've never yep. really been that excited over spring training numbers outside of really like the one I can think of that stood out tremendously was Chris Bryant in 2015. But yeah, uh, you know, so we'll have to see what happens in the regular season when all that That's when all said and done. That name is a blast in the past, Mickey Moniak. I haven't heard that since the since I was covering the draft when he was picked, whatever first overall, whatever yeah, it was. He like, was first overall, yeah, and and it was like this guy. It was like time ago. it was immediately said like, oh yeah, this guy isn't going to play for for on the Phillies for at least three years, and it's like, well, why'd they pick him? Like, <laughs> who is this guy? And he's finally like he played a little bit last year, and a number of Phillies guys did, and he's they have this whole crazy outfield thing because Roman Quinn always gets hurt. Odubel Herrera is back, and a lot of people are upset about that because he he, um, you know he not a great guy, not a great guy. Uh, that that's a better way to put it than for me to have to actually say it. <laughs> and uh, and now Moniac's apparently playing well and is a dark horse candidate. But Joe Girardi also wants him to play every day, so he'll probably start with the Iron Pigs. So that'll be fun to see. Probably by the time we do the NL East podcast, we'll have a better idea of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, but it is me for my second outfielder. And there's a couple different directions we could go here. I'm going to go with Merrifield, though. Just a guy, solid defender, a really good leadoff hitter, gets on base, steals some bases, gets a lot of doubles, I feel like. Um, so I'm going to st- I'm gonna take him first. And my second outfielder, hmm. I'm going to go with Kepler. And, yeah, I, yeah I'm going to go with Kepler and, and hope that he finds the – the good starts that he's had in the last couple of years and, conti- and continues them and not the slumps that he can fall himself into. Also fairly solid defender, but uh, yeah. I yeah, Kepler's, we... Kepler's good. And yeah. He was bad last year, but again, you saw that out or do you believe the year before? Yeah, exactly. Two years ago, he had a red-hot start, a little slow mid-season, but then towards the end of the year, he started to get it going. So that's what I'm hoping we're getting here. Yeah, I like those picks a lot. Maryfield's super solid. Another dude who just, I feel like if he was on a team that was good, would, you know, if he was playing for a contender, I think people would be, you know, raving about. Yeah, if he's on the Red Sox, he's like America's favorite baseball player. Right. Yeah, for sure. And he's, I mean, he's, he's a pretty, he used to play second base. I bet you you can move him around a little bit too. I think that's, 
that's a good pick. That was the guy I was hoping would fall back to me. So this, <laughs> is my, this is my third pick. So I've got two guys in mind here, and that's not going to leave you with very much for your third. But you've got three now. Yeah, this I have three the, now. So this is the last. This oh, is the last fielder. This is okay. So I'm between either um, Eddie Rosario, who plays for the Indians now, formerly of the Twins. Yep. Um, yep. Who's been good in the past? I also am I. Is it cheating if I try and take uh, uh, um, Mill Reyes as an outfielder because he does play the outfield occasionally? So I've always played it that if they and this is where like the fantasy baseball cheating, I let it bleed into of like I've taken players who play both infield and outfield and taken both. I know when I first did it, it didn't seem like that. It seemed like Mike didn't want that as a part of the rule, but he was fine with okay. it. So I'm gonna I will allow it. Okay, you know what? Just for the for the sanctity of the game, I'm gonna pick between Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler. I think Jorge Soler has a significantly larger ceiling. Oh, I love it. But but they're both the same age. Like I thought Jorge Soler was still kinda young, but that's thirty years like he's thirty years old. Like he's been around. Yeah, he's been around for a while, yeah. So I'm gonna take Eddie Rosario just because it's it's proven production. Like it's not gonna be a star, but like you're gonna get your twenty five home runs and seventy five RBI out of him. Yeah. No, that's a solid pick. I like that a lot. A guy who, yeah, you mentioned it, just day in, day out, a guy that you can expect, you know, hope, you know, uh, two for four, three, three, or one for three day, maybe a couple walks, double, maybe a home run. You know, solid guy. Meat and potatoes kind yeah, of thing. I mean, I mean, two years ago, 32 home runs, 109 RBI, 276. Like, every other year than that, he's been about 27 and 75, 24 and 77. So, like, Certainly not going to be like, I don't think he's ever going to be that 30, 100 guy again. But like, if that's the upside, then I'll take it. You know, yeah, like exactly. if I have a guy who's going to get some MVP votes as my third outfielder, I'm good with that. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Uh, so to you for starting pitching, for one starting pitcher. This is, I mean, it's it's Shane Bieber. There's, I, I want, yeah. I really wanted to entertain Giolito, but it's, it's Shane yeah. Bieber and it's not real. Yeah, it has to be Bieber. Uh, I'm going to take Giolito, but Bieber is the correct pick. He is, I feel like, arm and, uh, arms and shoulders above the uh, the rest of the division there. Just of how good he is, the fact that he evolved into just this dominant force last year, I don't think that's slowing down. And uh, I feel like he's going to mow down some of these teams, especially uh, when they go to Detroit or to Kansas City. That He's going to – that's a must-start on DraftKings or uh, on Daily Fantasy shit. Not supposed to give up the free hats there. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's funny if you look at the stats though. Like I have the the last season stats. So again, I'm obviously taking it for a grain of salt. But like you look at the leaders in American League quality starts. You have Lance Lynn with ten American League Central this year. Shane Bieber ten American League Central. Um, Lucas Giolito eight American League Central. Then you get strikeouts. Same thing. Bieber 122 AL Central. Giolito and Lance Lynn again. So like you know they're right there. The, uh, yeah, I mean, three of the, like, six, seven best guys in the American League are both, you know, they're all in this division, and and that's just, that's impressive for just, you know, being on those two teams because, you know, we bury Cleveland for, for this reason and that, but, like, I can't think of who the pitcher on Minnesota that would be able to match up with those guys is. So, like, it's just funny how we kind of look at these different teams, but then you don't realize how many good guys, you know, the White Sox and Indians actually have yeah. from a pitching perspective. When you mentioned it, too, kind of throughout the episode of, of... – the lack of quality last year out of Lindor, out of Ramirez, and then the fact that they had the number two pitching staff, at least in ERA and WHIP, 
They, they're the reason why the, the Indians were right there in the chase. They really shouldn't have been. Their offense was not that good, as it at least up to Cleveland standards. So it's if that continues, they're, they're a team that could maybe make a run at it. I think, though, the what we were talking about before of around 500 is probably accurate, but I'd love to be surprised and see them go out with a bang for the, uh, the old nickname. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those situations you look at it and you think they have all that talent, like we said. But, I mean – in 1998 or shit 2003 so i remember when the marlins came out of nowhere and like dontra willis comes up and he pitched just yeah. amazing they're just letting him throw as many things as he wants and stuff i mean if they were to let like tristan mckenzie is as he breaks out just take the ball and go every single day and go you know every five days and go seven innings like that might help them to you know break out like that but you know we're so careful with pitchers now that you know That's we're really going to have this they could have this number two, like super stud, like young guy, and they're going to hold him back just because they're worried about four years from now, which, you know, that's the Steven Strasburg conundrum. But, um, you know, it's just a weird, it's a weird adjustment. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point there of, uh, and Strasburg is the, is the perfect example of it. A guy who, you know, they gave up the potential of going for it in that year in 2012 because of his innings limit. And then, you know, however many, seven years later, it ends up coming full circle with them winning the World Series. But it is one of those those crazy scenarios of what, you know, what's right then and and whatever happens, you know? Yeah, it's never that poetic. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so it's me for a reliever. I'm going Liam Hendricks. I have a feeling you're probably going to go with, um, I'm going to fuck up his name, the guy in the Indians. I feel like that's probably who you'll go with. But Oh, James Karinchek? Yeah, yeah. I, might, I might go that direction. You know, I, as I think about it, I don't think that Detroit really has anybody I would want to touch. I don't think Kansas City really has a whole lot. I think they're still – they actually brought back both Greg Holland and Wade Davis, so it's like a reunion of that World Series team from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and the Twins, like I said, I, I, I really enjoyed Alex Colome when he was – in Chicago, but I think he's kind of a taking time out. So yeah, I'm going to go with Karinczak just for the pure fact that the dude, even if you, I think, I mean, let me look, let me look at this. Cause I'm pretty sure I was right on the stat. He did walk a lot of guys last year, but you know, as a closer, let's see. Karinczak had shit. Well, where is it? James Karinczak. He uh, walked 17 guys last season, which is oh, a yeah. lot out of the bullpen but you know when you factor in the fact that you also strike out struck out 53 in 27 innings holy shit yeah when you strike out every other guy like it doesn't really matter at that point it's kind of a moot point at that point yeah 16 16 walks in in 27 innings is a lot but 53 strikeouts also a lot eight holds one for three on or one for four on saves could be fun to watch yeah i think he's gonna be good and and i think that's that's one of those guys that you know, like I said, people don't know about now, but they'll know by the end. Yeah, it'll, they're going to be a fun team. I think uh, I gave them a little, little sl- uh, too much flack when I first started talking about them, but they're they'll <laughs> be fun. I uh, yeah, this division will be a lot more fun. It's always one where you kind of think it's like oh, one team race, now a two team race. But it's I'm glad we you know we uncovered the uncovered some of the gems of this division, Brady. I think we did a good job here. <laughs> I think I think we kind of talked ourselves into the Cleveland Indians on accident because yeah. we were both pretty pretty against it, and now I feel like we're walking out of this very bullish on this team. Yeah, I don't know. We uh, I don't think either of us <laughs> should go near a, a sports book with any futures out there. Uh, no, we, no, no. We may accidentally there. throw some money on the Indians. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so you guys have are kind of back 
with the podcast? You guys did an episode in January. Are you guys going to yeah. ramp it up for baseball? Yeah, we're trying to get back into it. We're trying to find just the right the right niche. You know, when you kind of go into it, you know, I think it takes a long time from a sports perspective to really to really nail down your spot. Oh yeah. Um, and so you know, we could sit there and talk about baseball, and you could talk about baseball, and then fifteen other people could, and you know, we're not going to be as good as the others. And so I think we're trying to fill, still trying to feel out and find that right mix of, of of content. But I think at the same time, I look at how how podcasts are blowing up and everybody has one on one hand but on the other hand everybody's always listening to them now too so that door is always open it's just finding your way finding out how to walk in that door yeah absolutely it's definitely a, a last year so we tried to do the fantasy draft during the season and i, I definitely want to especially as fans are back in the stadium stadium snacks will come yeah. back and that sort of stuff but find more of those fun angles to the game to keep it keep it lively you know not just be like oh this guy went seven for 14 this week he's our top player right. of the week you know that <laughs> certainly finding that those fun angles to do it so it's gonna be fun I, i'm excited for a full season of baseball just a year of you know, the phillies are starting with eight thousand people so hopefully i eventually go to a game i'm going to the sixers first game with fans on sunday that's gonna be a lot of fun so it's That'll just we're uh we're slowly getting there yeah it'll happen it'll come around i mean potentially i mean i think obviously i say normal i mean texas they're gonna be yeah. cramming it in there but you know, hopefully by the time, uh, you know, next the next fall rolls around, you know, the playoffs, hopefully we get the real baseball playoff vibe because that's the main thing that you miss when you're watching baseball is just like that silent, like crack of the bat and stuff. Like it's cool to get all those baseball sounds, yeah. but I need like crowd and the guy yelling, you know, for peanuts and all the extra bullshit that you don't love when you're there, but just really makes it feel real. I'm looking this up now. Neither team is obviously in this division, but I want to see if the, if the if Major League Baseball happened to put the Astros going to New York for the first time later in the season, hoping there were fans, I'm, I'm looking this up right now. This can be a, a little preview for the either AL West, AL East, or the eventual Yankee podcast. But I feel like that uh, if Major League Baseball didn't try to like galaxy brain and being like fans might be back by doing right. that, I feel like that's a, a real missed opportunity. So they're not playing in April. Electric radio here. Oh no, they go to New York the first week of May. Oh no! Oh. Baseball, come on. <laughs> we can just we can blame what's his face. We can blame uh, Manfred again. Maybe he'll be drunk and apologize. Uh, He's the easiest easiest target. <laughs> well, Brady, this was a lot of fun, man. We'll definitely have to have you on during the season. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a good time. I I, I hope that everything we said here is one hundred percent accurate, and uh, and I expect it to be. Yeah, you know, uh, well, everything you said, I usually uh, I'm usually dead wrong. Um, oh yeah don't if i project if i predict a record of any type or someone to win like you know once march madness happens next week like i am fully prepared to be wrong about many things so if i can nail like 10 percent of the things i say oh yeah as being correct i'm good oh yeah that's the that's the key you know just have fun with it but um (laughs) where can where can everybody find the podcast and you on social media and all that sort of stuff yeah you can find the podcast on uh on spotify and uh you know i think we're on apple podcast but definitely spotify never on brand um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Brady underscore Fred. Awesome. And you can follow the bullpen cart at the bullpen cart podcast on, on Apple and, and Spotify thunder BLG for the thunder blog, uh, Jordo nine for me. I never really plug myself, but Thunderblog sports on Instagram where I've been doing rants about the flyers, Brady, and how frustrating they are. I'm gonna go watch, <laughs> I haven't even checked the score since we started recording, but go watch that. And, and also golf. I didn't preview the players. I'll probably do a reaction at some point or maybe do a video tomorrow. Um, but Thunderbox Sports is where you can find that on Instagram. 
But for Brady Fredrickson, I am Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend, everybody. And let's go Phillies. Baseball's back.